Welcome to another inspirational message from City Life Center Church. If you were ever in the area, come visit one of our services. We would love to meet you. Enjoy the message. And I'd like for you guys to get your Bibles out, open them up to the book of Hebrews, chapter number 11. Hebrews is near the very back of the Bible. Chapter 11, Hebrews 1.1. 1, 1. And hold it. Mark it. Put your finger in there or something. No, don't put your finger because you'll end up taking it out and you'll lose your place. All right? I'm going, to, I'm going to, to use this a little later in the message. Hey, now, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you're a part of what we call the Christian faith, Christianity is the largest, longest, lasting, continually growing movement in the history of the world. And the beauty of it is you're a part of it. Our movement is actually unstoppable. In fact, we know it's unstoppable because Jesus Christ, our leader, will literally, physically rule this world one day, and that's going to be a pretty incredible day, and I'm actually looking forward to that. This global movement that we're a part of, uh, we, so, you know, we often call it the church. I, I like to use this word. I, I like to emphasize it a little bit more. I like to say it is the worldwide church of Jesus Christ, because that's just it's like, yeah, this is this big church of Jesus all over the world, but, but also there are these much, much smaller building blocks of the worldwide church of Jesus Christ, and it's called the local church, and that's actually where the greatest works actually occur. Now, now, we live in this culture that's enamored by all types of individual heroes. And if you were to pick out an individual hero, let's, uh, you know, like maybe Neil Armstrong. Uh, when, I was being, when I was a kid, he was just a big, big hero because he was the first man to walk on the moon. Uh, but, 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 you know, I'd be a fool to think that Neil, all by himself, did anything of massive significance. Because really, it was the huge United States space program that made Neil Armstrong the hero that he was. So really, actually, when you begin to think about it, you can pick a hero. Really, any hero, and, and, and you'll begin to discover that they never act alone. There's always a launching pad. There's always an organization or a tribe or a company or an education system or something that the individual works from. And it's the same with the heroes of our faith. Later on this year, I'm going to have a, have a series on faith heroes because they, they, they mean so much to me. Uh, but, but there's this long, long line of people throughout the since the beginning of the church that have made a, uh, an enormous impact on just this expansion of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I love studying about them. I mean, we're in their lineage. But when you dig deep into every single story, you will always find a local church. You see, Jesus established his church before he left the world and ascended into heaven. And the, this, this church has been relentlessly growing for 2,000 years. And God has used men and women of radical faith functioning through local churches of radical faith to actually pull this off. There are a few notables that I, I was looking at in preparation for this message. And, and the first one is, is Emperor Constantine in the year 312. He was a man who came to faith in Jesus Christ after having this supernatural experience of seeing this image of a cross. And he knew the symbol of the cross was, was the, the symbol of this persecuted Christian church, which was a part of his kingdom. And so Constantine, he became a part of a local church. And there he was discipled and his faith increased. And what he did is he used his influence 
and his political position as the emperor of Rome and, and becomes a defender and an advocate of oppressed Christians all throughout the empire. And Christianity exploded. Local churches started popping up all over the place. The year 385, Bishop Ambrose, you probably never heard of him before, but this is a guy who was a pastor. Oh, actually, you have heard of him, you just didn't know it. Uh, he's a pastor of a local church in Milan, and, and he applied radical faith, and he stood up and defied the empress because she was trying to push some things on the church that were against the scriptures. And so he said no, and his local congregation rose up in strength and said, we're not going to do this. This actually was the first uh, of, of many cases where, where local church literally confronted the state and it's still our pattern today that when necessary we rise up and we protect our Christian teaching we oppose the state when the laws of the state attempt to force believers to do things that are contrary to God's word and it's funny because he's still quoted today but you know what his quote is when in Rome do as the Romans do right you've heard that right okay see people like to use that as a license to do crazy things on vacations do you really want to know what that means? Let's listen to the exact quote. Hear it. This is the man who invented it, not today's translation. When you are in Rome, live in the Roman style. When you are elsewhere, live as they live elsewhere. When I am in Rome, I fast on Saturday. When I'm in Milan, I do not. Do the same. Follow the custom of the local church where you are. When in Rome. So it's a quote that says, you should embrace the culture of the local church when you're visiting from out of town. Now, hey, that's, awesome. that's actually pretty smart. 405, Jerome. He was a man who came to faith in Jesus through the ministry of the local church in Rome, and he grew in his faith, and, and, but he had this linguistic experience, and, and, and he wanted to help spread the gospel, but didn't know how he could do that, but, but he was a man of radical faith, so what he did is he just thought, well, I just, I'm going to translate, so he started translating the Bible, and, and he actually translated the entire Bible into what's called the Latin Vulgate, and, and, and he, this was then used and copied by a hand and taken to help establish new local churches throughout all of Europe. And what he didn't know is that this man's translation of the Bible became the standard for the next thousand years. Wow. 432, a man by the name of Patrick. He was a teenager. He was living in, in the England area. He, 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 was, he was raised in a local church, and he was passionate about the gospel of Jesus Christ. But some pirates came in and, and, and stole him. He was taken over to Ireland as a slave at the age of 16. About six years later, Patrick escapes and he returns to his home church. There he undergoes intense training in the word of God because now he had a burden for the people that had once abused him and hurt him. And that congregation then, then raised him up and then sent him out as a missionary to Ireland. And then what he did is he goes over there and he leads multitudes of Irish people to the Christian faith. He established churches throughout all of Ireland. And today we still celebrate him by drinking green beer on his birthday. How does culture take what God did wonderfully and twist it? I don't know. I still don't understand. I think we're missing the point. But do you understand what I'm saying? These are great people who transform nations. 
800, the year 800, Emperor Charlemagne, he was crowned by the Pope on Christmas. And he was the man who was actually raised and discipled in a local church. And, and he takes his passion for Christ to advance the church. And he advances education. He advances cult, culture. In 988 AD, there's a man by the name of Prince Vladimir of Kiev. Uh, Kiev is a beautiful city. And, and, uh, and, and he's, he's out there in, in this Russian area. And he becomes this radical follower of Jesus Christ. But he did it because of study. He spent years examining the various different religions uh, that, that he saw around him but when he saw the function and the power and the practicality and the spirit that was within the local christian church he decided i choose orthodox christianity but this will not only be my faith of my faith of choice i am going to use what they're doing as a way of unifying and guiding the entire russian people and he did it wow Started in a local church. About 1150 universities began to pop up uh, in Paris and Oxford. They were founded in these institutions. They were established by the radical faith of some local churches. And they became the incubators for the Renaissance and the Reformation. And through these, through these uh, uh, universities established by local churches, they, became, they began to use the model of the local church, which laid the foundation for the uh, educational patterns that we still use today. 1321 A.D. by a man by the name of Dante. He was deeply committed to and involved in his local church. He completes a literary masterpiece known as the Divine Comedy. And he took radical faith to write that kind of literature because they didn't do that in those days. And, 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 he, and the Divine Comedy still stands today as something that it's read and it's studied. It is actually considered the greatest work of literature of the Middle Ages. About 13. 80 A.D., a man by the name of John Wycliffe. This was a man of incredible radical faith from Oxford. He, uh, he returned to his local church, and when he got there, he decided to work with the church and, 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 and did this first translation of the Bible into English. And this local man, who was a part of a local church, was later hailed as the morning star of the Reformation. In 1456, a man by the name of Johann Gutenberg. He was a guy who just went to church, but he was a printer. But he got his radical faith stirred up by the local church. And he was inspired and impassioned and emboldened by the ministry of his church to get the Bible out into as many hands as possible. So he went to work one day and was printing. And he said, why not use this? And he printed the first Bible with his press. And it became the dissemination of new ideas all over the place. A local man changed culture by catalyzing reformation and politics and theology. 1512 A.D., a man by the name of Michelangelo, he was just simply an artist of radical faith, a deep passion for the local church. He completes the notable artwork on the Sistine Chapel ceiling in Rome. Basically what he did is he took the scriptures and he put them into pictures and made sculptures to tell the story of Jesus 1517, a local church man by the name of Martin Luther. He was a pastor. He posted these 95 theses. On, and, and this was just a simple invitation for some scholarly debate. And he had no idea that this little act of radical faith, because he read the Bible and his, his congregation rose up and they began to transform society, and it still is impacting the church today. It is also said that his act of faith through the local church inadvertently became the hinge of history. 1611, a local church guy by the name of King James. He loved the Word of God. He was not that great of a king. In fact, no other king was named James after him because he was a pretty sorry king. 
But you know what? God raised him up because he was a man who loved the word of God. And he used his position as the king of England to assemble 54 scholars. And he put them on the state payroll. And they worked for four years on this amazing project, which was the publication of what he was called the authorized translation or the King James Version of the Bible, which is still around today. He, see, here's what his desire was. He desired for local churches to have the best possible translation of the Bible in their current language. And it worked. 1727, the Moravians in Hernhut, Germany. This is a local church where they just began praying for God to do in their day what they saw in the scriptures. And this local church began to pray around the clock, 24-7. And it launched what is known as the Moravian Brethren. And, and these guys would assemble at their local church and pray. And they would discuss strategies to win the world for Jesus. And the truth is now today, all of today's missionary activity that still happens around the world has its roots in what the Moravians started. And from there, it literally launched a 100-year, 24-7 prayer time at that local church. This is still known today as the largest continually sustained prayer meeting in the history of Christianity. And from it, we're commissioning and sending of hundreds of missionaries to do what? To start new local churches that prayed and sought God and had the word of God around the world. 1735, the Great Awakening preaching of a young church pastor by the name of Jonathan Edwards. He began to stir the American colonies to embrace something called radical faith. People came to Christ. People started dropping their old religious attitudes and, and, and rituals and, and morality began to swell. And new local churches began popping up all over the place. New denominations even began to be established. In 1830, Charles Finney, a pastor of a local church, he reached out to lost people in New York, and he began to start some other new local churches. And he, this man became the leading voice, the leading voice, of the slavery abolitionist movement in the United States of America. It started in a church. And his goal was to preach the, church, preach the truth and get into the center of Americans' urban centers and to find people, impact the culture, and let people know about Jesus. 16, uh, 1906, in Azusa Street, Los Angeles, a local church pastor by the name of William Seymour, he began holding these powerful prayer gatherings uh, out of his home, which was the church in Los Angeles. And that local church then had to, uh, had to move from Sunday to every day because so many people were coming. They had church every day of the week. They ran out of space. They moved outdoors into the front yard, and the crowds kept coming and coming. They didn't know what... His, 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 uh, it's said that, that his porch literally caved in. It was just so crazy. So they found this huge building on Azusa Street in Los Angeles. It was just a big old run-down building in disrepair. But there they established what was called the Azusa Street Mission, where up to for three years there was preaching, worship, and prayer happening for 24 hours a day, seven days a week. People traveled from all across North America to encounter what God was doing in this place. The Azusa Street Mission began commissioning and sending out hundreds of new missionaries. New local churches began to spring up everywhere as a result. Today, what is happening, you really, what, what happened through that local church has impacted us today. It was actually seen as the launch of the Pentecostal movement in America. It paved the way for the development of the, of the uh, charismatic movement. 
1945, a man by the name of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was a local church German pastor, but he was executed by the Nazis for his faith just hours before, uh, in a concentration camp, just hours before that concentration camp was rescued by the Allies. But his books still are there today, and his books give a local church perspective on the power of the gospel and how it functions best through healthy, thriving local churches. And it's been translated into English, and his writings and teach us over and over what God and his people can do when they are united in their faith and determined to disciple one another and get the gospel out. 1963, a man rose up in the United States of America by the name of Martin Luther King Jr., named after the old Martin Luther. This was a Baptist local church pastor who leads a march in, into Washington, D.C., and he, everything that he shares is on the foundation of the teachings of Jesus, and he leads the civil rights movement that transformed the face of America. What was he? A man of simple, radical faith who worked through the local church, and he preached a message of how we should not be judged by the, by the color of our skin, but by our character. 2016, it's our turn. What will this local church produce to be sent out in the name of Jesus? What might be happening in you today that it begins to incubate in your heart that can literally change a culture because there's nothing like the local church when it's working correctly. I'm telling you, the beauty is indescribable. The power is breathtaking. The, 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 the potential of the local church is unlimited because at the local church, that's where we comfort the grieving. That's where the broken are healed in the context of community. You see, what the local church does is, is we build bridges to those who are seeking. We offer truth, truth, and we we give grace to people who are lost and confused. The local church gives resources to people in need. And the local church opens its arms to people who are forgotten and downtrodden and disillusioned. The local church breaks the chains of addictions and frees the oppressed and offers belonging to a marginalized world. And whatever the capacity for human suffering, the local church has a greater capacity for healing and wholeness. Even in our own cities, I have been told this face-to-face, nose-to-nose, the leaders in this city have told me that if a major disaster were to strike this city, the local churches of our community would automatically become the backbone of this city. There's no other organization. I get excited about the local church, guys. There's no other organization on earth that's like the church of Jesus Christ. And these local churches make up a beautiful bride of Christ and nothing else is even remotely close. Throughout history, whenever God was ready to start a new work, he would tap the potential of someone in a local church, a businessman or a pastor or someone in the local church. And there are no exceptions to that. So when we talk about making Jesus known, I tell you guys, that is a serious mandate for us as a church to take this gospel into our culture and to integrate people into the local church body where they can receive all that God has for them. You say, yeah, but there's... There's imperfection in the local church. I know, it's because you go here. I've been talking to God about it, but he said, that to him, but they're stuck with you too. And I'm like, oh, no. You see, the church is filled with imperfect people. But that's why we stay in community and relationship, so we can be loved, so the grace can be extended, so the correction and help can come to our lives. A lot of people mistakenly assume that I'm really intense about everything. Some people think that. And I just want to let you know, I'm not. 
If you ask the people who are closest to me, you'll find I'm not intense about everything. I am not passionate at all about clothing or shopping for clothes. <laughs> Automobiles, home furnishings, office furnishings. Yeah, I don't put much energy at all into thinking about and worrying about who's going to win the Super Bowl or the World Series. That's all fine. I'm not interested in most of the popular causes of our culture. But if you were to accuse me of being intense about the local church, this man stands guilty as charged. I freely admit, admit that passion will ooze from me, and I take very seriously any decision that has major implications about the future health and the unity and the effectiveness of City Life Center as well as the Worldwide Church of Jesus Christ. And I will do almost anything to make sure that our church is well-led and the decisions that are made on her behalf, this church, are made with care and wisdom. And why? It's because I really believe that the local church is this hope of the world. As wonderful as we, our major local companies are, like American Airlines and Lockheed Martin and Texas Health and JPS and Alcon and Cook and TCC and Bell and BNSF and JP Morgan Chase and GM Financial, they're awesome, but they're all going to go away. The local church is the hope of the world, not American Airlines, because the local church stewards the only message that can impact a person's life for eternity. It offers the only organization that has repeatedly influenced the course of the world over and over. The local church is the only organization that nurtures and trains and commissions and sends people into their communities and into all the world to make an eternal difference. So I, like Paul, say this. Stand firm, guys. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know your labor and the Lord is not in vain. Guys, sometimes I do get weary. I get, and sometimes I wonder, oh, does it make a difference? And, you know, last Thursday was one of those moments. I was alone on a prayer and study and retreat and just isolated myself. And I was in a temporary funk. Uh, but I forgot to turn my text messaging off. And while I was there... My text thing dinged, and I actually looked at it. You see, I was really just wanting to go to the Louvre and sit and look at art all week. But at that exact moment, as I was actually in a park, I was praying. This text came to my phone. And it came from a person who has been with City Life since near our beginning. This is a person who's had plenty of time to see the best and worst of us. This is someone who actually wanted to keep attending in the early, early days when it was such a mess around here and it was flat out scary sometimes. Oh my goodness, you know. Here's what they said. I was asked today about what made me choose City Life as my church. As I shared, I remembered God's faithfulness through some terribly difficult times. I'm so very thankful God showed me where I could fit and receive the healing that I needed. I'm thankful for you and the blessing you've been to me throughout my adventure highway <laughs> at City Life Center. Okay, th that, that right there is a true adventure highway testimony. When, when, when I read it, I, I, I couldn't believe. It was, it was like a, the bizarre timing of this seemingly random message that I actually picked up my phone and looked at, and I smiled, and my eyes watered, and, and then I just chilled out. I, I quit feeling sorry for myself because I remembered the big picture. 
that when it comes to God's work, regardless of what you're doing for God, the scripture that I shared with you is still 100% true. Stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And that says to me, no, diffi- no matter how difficult the hardship, and it should say to you also, no matter how challenging the particular storm is, and no matter how dark and scary it may be, and no matter how the winds are howling and crashing at you, choose this adventure highway of godly courage and stand firm and let nothing move you and endure Because what you're doing for the Lord is making a difference, and it is not in vain. So here's what I'm saying, guys. Make up your mind right now in advance that you're never going to quit. This takes radical faith, and this is the faith that changes things for eternity. For me, it simply means that I've decided in advance that no matter what kind of twists and turns are ahead on my adventure highway of following Christ in my local church, that I'm going to keep showing up. I'm going to keep trusting. I'm going to keep serving, giving sermons and, and serving and proclaiming the gospel. I'm going to disciple. I'm going to shepherd. I'm going to lead. I'm going to protect the flock. I'm going to keep my eyes on the prize, and that is eternity with Jesus because I embrace radical faith. Unfortunately, here in America, in recent years, there's been this subtle movement that, of, of individuals who want to detach and disaffiliate themselves with anything that's organized when it comes to faith. And I'll tell you, it sounds nice on the exterior. They make a great argument, and they take scriptures out of the Bible to prove it. They take lots of New Testament scriptures and prove it. And also, it works great with the American spirit because we as Americans, we are independent. We like to create our own spin on faith and do things our way. But I'll tell you this, guys, this. History doesn't lie. What history has proven over and over, ultimately, this is a recipe for failure in your own personal ministry. Now, guys, I do understand the motivation that some would feel while they don't want to be a part of an organized church because of past hurts and in the past there have been internal problems in some churches problems that are not even remote remotely scriptural just bad problems and the truth be told though is that the church overall is seeing less and less and less of this today see the church is becoming stronger and stronger as a result of the trials it's walked through but long term hear me long term culture impacting ministry is never created by loners and drifters Well, what about all those guys in the New Testament? Let's talk about it. Come on, bring it on. (laughs) Even the Apostle Paul answered to the local church of Jerusalem. He was sent by them, and he was under their authority. His ministry was to always preach and establish local churches. What Paul established and what he set in motion was a local church, and then he went back to continue to build up those local churches by encouraging the pastors and returning to visit and writing letters to address the challenges in those local churches, and God's word was works were definitely established. So we don't ever want to turn church into a convention. Church is not a series of workshops. The church is a family, not a motivational event. We we can't be selfish or self-centered too long in a family environment. That's why church is very healthy for every single one of us. There's always give and take around here. There are responsibilities we all have to assume. And there are those who come as guests and enjoy the ministry. And that's wonderful. Just enjoy and take all you can. And that's wonderful because it starts there because healthy families... Entertain guests. 
Many will accept Christ in this atmosphere and want to engage themselves in life-giving relationships. And that's where the local church partnership, that's what we call it here, that's where it comes in. And it's, it's where we commit ourselves to care for one another. And I become your pastor at that point. We support one another. We commission and we send one another on missions ventures. And, and we make sure that the household of faith is being taken care of. I say, well, do I have to be a part of a church to go to heaven? No. If you want to be effective on earth, yes. And I can say that with a clear heart because it's all through the Bible. We are Bible-based, Jesus-focused at the church. We actually believe the Bible here. See, the local church is the instrument through which radical faith is expressed. And, and I would like to say to those who don't want to commit to a local church, which certainly wouldn't be you because you're here, but they certainly cannot use any scriptures from the New Testament to support any of their opinions. Why? I have good reasons. I mean, they may as well just take the whole last quarter of the Bible and tear it out and throw it in the trash. Because first you have to delete all of the writings of Paul because he was insistent upon being submitted to the local church and he founded and organized local churches. You also have to throw out all the writings of John because he wrote to local church pastors and prophesied to and about individual local churches. You would have to toss out Mark's writings because he dedicated his life along with Barnabas, Paul, and Peter to plant local churches in the ancient world. Luke, I certainly can't quote him. Yeah, unfortunately, he wrote more content of the New Testament than Paul himself, and so now you have to rip out a whole bunch. Luke was a physician, I know, but he traveled the ancient world establishing local church congregations. And if you really do study the Bible, it's a no-brainer, if you don't believe in the local church, that you have to toss out the writings of Timothy and Titus because they were pastors themselves of local congregations. In fact, they're the ones who created detailed qualification lists for church leadership in the organized church. Peter, ah, you know, he was the most prominent of the 12 disciples, and uh, he wrote to a group, a group of local church uh, local churches and local church leaders, and he told those church leaders how they needed to lead appropriately, and he gave charges to the congregation members on how they needed to be living their lives. Then you have James. Well, James, like, well, the problem with James, you can't, you're going to have to throw him out too now because he was the brother of Jesus, but he was also the head of the entire Christian church based out of Jerusalem. Everyone answered to him. You got it? He trained congregations in how to use local church leadership for prayers, which we follow in this church, the importance of unity in the local church. He talked about the dangers of favoritism in the local church. So if you don't believe in the local church and you're trying to prove it through the New Testament... All you're left with is a book of Jude. <laughs> but sorry, you can't use that one either. And I dare any person to even pick up the book of Jude and try to prove anything with that. This guy was probably the most passionate local church advocate you find in the Bible. He was the brother of James and, yes, Jesus as well. He wrote one letter, one letter written to a local church, and he told them, you need to deal with your grumblers and your fault finders who think too much of themselves, who are causing division within your local church. That, my friend, is the New Testament. Sorry, guys who don't like organized church. Throw your Bibles away. Don't share a scripture with me. It doesn't work. I have never asked for applause, but I thought I would sure applaud that one. See, because the local church is God's secret weapon for the gospel. Christian discipleship happens best here. And, and here, our rough edges get exposed and allows God to clean us up in this atmosphere of grace and truth. And leadership is something we take seriously around here. Tomorrow, we're having our leadership meeting and training. And I'm telling you, all leaders need to, need to be there. 
Be here tomorrow at 7. And if you lead anything in the church, or if you're just interested in leadership, or if you're curious about things that we, leadership standards, come out. But if you lead a group, leaders, it's a requirement. Be here because this is how we grow. If you want to be a part of City Life, I already told you, join me on Saturday morning at 9. And it, it's gonna, I personally lead this time. And now please understand, the church has always been advanced by people of radical faith. The Bible explains what it looks like. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Let's look through this. This is where we get the initial definition of faith. It said to open your Bibles and mark it to Hebrews 11. Here it is. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. See, the church is all about that in a radical way. We haven't seen heaven yet. We can't touch eternity yet, but we have confidence in what we hope for, and we are assured in our hearts that we cannot, what we cannot see, what we cannot touch, that it is actually reality. Look down at verse 6. It says, without faith, it is impossible to even please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Earnestly, that also means like radically. That is another use of that word right there. It's this pursuit of Jesus that makes us people of faith. This entire chapter uh, is about how faith works. It gives us examples of the men and women of radical faith, people who believed in and pursued and were radical about something they couldn't touch and couldn't see. Abraham, Abraham, my goodness, he is the adventure highway master, king. Man of radical faith. Before the scriptures were even written, he just heard from God, and God told him to hit the road. By faith, Abraham, verse 8, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, he obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. He was just following God. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. Look at this. But he was looking forward to a city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. You see, his greatest passion was that eternal city with God. So what is radical faith? I've come up with my own little definition. Here it is. Aggressively pursuing eternity and taking as many people with you as possible. That's what we equip you to do at City Life. And guys, I'm not ashamed of it. It's the passion of my heart. And I love my city. Fort Worth is awesome. <clears throat> my real city, my, my real home isn't here. I'm looking for a better place. It's a perfect place. And Hebrews 11 names person after person after person who had the same radical faith perspective on life. In verse 14, it says that, that people who say such things, <coughs> they show that they are looking for a country of their own. That's that eternal place, you see. If they had been thinking about the country they had left, they would have opportunity to return. If you want to think about your past life, well, great, you, go, you can go back to that. But instead, they're longing, and we're longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Guys, he's preparing a place for us. It's a place called heaven. It's a place where there's no, no pain. It's a place where you don't get tired. You don't get weary. It's a place where you don't have to deal with conflict. And I'm going there. In Hebrews chapter 11, it's often called the hall of faith, and it ends with these powerful words. And, and I want to read it to you because, my friends, this is your heritage. This is the movement that you're a part of. The writer says, and what more shall I say? I don't have the time, and you know you don't have the time, and none of us even have the time, so it's well written here. 
to tell you about Gideon and Barak, and that's not Obama, and, and Samson and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, and who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, who quenched the fury of the flames, who escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned into strength, who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. And there were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain even a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the stone. Sword. Uh, sword in the stone? No, just the sword. They, they went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted and mistreated, and the world wasn't worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and in mountains, living in caves and even holes in the ground, and these were all commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what had been promised since God had planned something better for us, that only together with us they would be made perfect. So, so what God is building in heaven, my friend, is for every person who is about radical faith, them as well as us, we're going to inherit it together because we're all a part of the same movement even though our lives may be separated by thousands of years, we're on the same team. We have the same goal. We're traveling on the same adventure highway toward Jesus. And guys, you're called to be world changers just like them, to be built together by God through his local church. You also are like living stones being built into a spiritual house to be a royal priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. No movement right this time. I, I want everyone to pray right now. Leaders, please pray. It's the most important part of today right now. Focus your eyes on Jesus. Close your eyes. If you want to know this Jesus that I'm so crazy radical about, you simply want a clean slate and you want to live your life with a renewed sense of purpose, I want to give you an opportunity to respond, to be a part of this closing prayer and make Jesus the Lord of your life. Do so by raising your hand. I'm going to ask you to lift that hand because faith is when we outwardly respond to what is happening inwardly. God loves you so much. Jesus died for you so that you can have life and everything for you can change today. If you want to receive Christ, just lift your hand because I want to connect my faith with you and pray with you. You need Jesus, please lift your hand. Please lift your hand for me. Thank you. Who else? Who else? I need Jesus. I want to make things right with Christ today. Okay. Listen, if you raise your hand, I'm going to ask you along with everyone else in here to just simply pray some words with me. So I want everyone to stand. Will you please do so? Please everyone stand. You who lifted your hand, I want you to pray this with me. Come on, say it out loud. Say everyone. Everybody say this together. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin. I believe you're the Son of God. Please forgive my sin. Today I give up my past, and I embrace the future 
that you have for me. I put my faith in the God of eternity. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. For more information on how you can get involved with City Life locally, text CONNECT to 41411. Again, that's CONNECT to 41411. Or visit us online at citylifecenter.org. We would love to meet you.